0: being the great multiplier of minutes and time and talents, for giving us all that we need to do, all that you would have us do, Lord. Help us to be receptive listeners and learners so that you get uh, your way in the world with our hands and feet and minds and hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so I am going to go fast, but here is this. This is the whole lesson, the heart of the matter. So when uh, Chris and I were parceling out who's going to lecture on which days, I do the long straw. I got 1 Corinthians 13. But then I also got 1 Corinthians 14. Yeah. And so because of that, um, this, is, this is the main verse in 1 Corinthians 14. Every, everybody, you should put your finger up. Everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. How does that reside with you? Good? Makes me feel like this. Don't forget to eat your vegetables before you get dessert. And we will. We're going to start in 1 Corinthians 14, which I consider the vegetables. And then we're going to get all the way to the end of 1 Corinthians 13, which is the dessert. Are you ready? All right. I made um, lentils this week. Lentils are terrible. They're very, very bad. They're so bad. They start out green and they end up... Army green, gray, mushy, hairy. If you have a recipe, seven. this is how this girl feels about broccoli. So right now we're going to look at First Corinthians 14. Quick, quick, quick! Open your Bibles. Right? Your market set. Listen. We're going to start with verse 25 in First Corinthians. I mean, First Corinthians 14. Orderly worship. Okay. What then shall we say, brothers? When you come together, everyone has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or three at the most should speak, one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there's no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and God. Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop, for you, all, for you all can all prophecy in turn, so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. As in all the congregations of the saints, women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak, but should be in submission, as the law says. And if they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home, For it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. Okay. I call that lentils. (laughs) They're good for you, but they go down hard. All right, so we're going to talk about it. Chris called me the other day. She said, oh, I'm anxious to hear what you're going to say about 1 Corinthians 34 and 35. And I said, okay, I'm starting with it. We're going to get it over with first. Uh, First of all, I want you to notice that uh, in my new international version of 1984, the word brothers is heard. Later versions say brothers and sisters. But even in every version, you hear the saints being assembled. And the saints are inclusive of, say it, women. women. Okay, we are there. We are there. We are representative there, and we are given the same privilege to listen as the men. So that's an important first um, understanding, We're in the room. And God is a God of order, not of disorder. Would you agree to that? Yes. We just had a beautiful orderly event in the other room, right? Hopefully we'll get an orderly event in this room. <laughs> orderly behavior includes turn-taking and speakings. We just saw we had three, four speakers this morning. We had music. We had speaker one, speaker two, speaker three, right? Speakers are to strengthen, encourage, and comfort the group. There's direct purpose not just to make noise or to become famous or you know get a fan club it is to encourage and comfort and strengthen the group and a question and answer (coughs) doesn't happen in this particular setting so I'm reminding you that Paul is answering a specific question which we do not see to a specific audience whom we don't know for sure except that we know they're in Corinth they're going to be a mixed background, mainly Greek. Women are gathered. We don't know if they're in 50-person house churches or in great assemblies, because it's not clear here. But we do know that there's a question and answer time that is appropriate for everyone, because we heard even in the prophecy, you can't all speak at once. can't all take your turn. Just because you're there doesn't mean you get the mic. I got the mic. <laughs> right now, you're not talking to me, are you? A few minutes ago, we didn't take questions and answers. So the admonition here is that there's a time and place for questions and answers, and for particularly those who are less learned. So how appropriate would it have been for someone in the group to stand up in the room that we just came from and say, my experience with this particular population is like this? Or how, exper- how appropriate would it be to say, ask a very personal question about one of the women in the ministry that we just heard about? or what made uh, the handicap that was referred to of that man. There's there an appropriate time for all of those things and for women who were culturally not educated. Sometimes Greek men married women who were 12 to 13 years younger than they were. And they literally saw them as children. So if you had your child here in the room, you'd be probably wrestling them into some sort of submission. Did I say that? <laughs> appropriate to the setting, correct? women probably had a lot of questions. And there's a place to wrestle your questions out, and it's probably not in the General Assembly. Now, thankfully, things are not like that these days. Pardon me. I take a medication so I don't cough, but it makes me so dry. <laughs> <laughs> so that is the, that is the uh, framework uh, uh, under which you were seeing this, uh, this, this answer. Women may have immature or uneducated questions. More likely than... Uh, the men in the group. They would have been in temple if they were Jews, but they would not have necessarily been given the right to speak or read at that point. Now, what's the good news about Jesus? He had a lot of women around him. He refers to them, and Paul does as well. In fact, those of us who think Paul is kind of a, um, a troublemaker for the cause of women should know how progressive it was for Paul to have women there at all, hearing this teaching, getting the good news right there along with the men. So for his time it was a progressive thing. I happen to be speaking in a church, so that's where I'm gonna end that one. (laughs) Now we're gonna get to the meat of the matter, which is in First Corinthians twelve. So I'm backing us up. I got the I got the lentils down. If you have questions about that, don't ask me, ask your group leader. Is that um, we have it at least four times. Um, 1 Corinthians 12 is where we are studying, so you're going to see your list here. You're also going to see it in Paul's letter to the Romans, in Romans 12, verses 6 and 8. And by the way, your outlines are very complete so that you can listen and then we can get to the good part at the end. Um, Ephesians 4 and 11, 12, and in 1 Peter 4, 8 to 10. At this point, Peter is writing to Timothy, probably from Ephesus. So these three, 1 Corinthians, Romans, and Ephesians, are written by the same author. And we're going to see that they're not identical. So if we want to reduce it to a a great formula, so that we can put it on a sticker, a bumper sticker, or practice the seven steps of spiritual gifts, or something like that, we might have a little challenge with that. But I'm going to start with reading um, a little bit of what Paul said in verse, well, we'll start at uh, 12.1. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but the same God works all of them in all men. All right. So what I say, first of all, what we see here is that um, the, the spiritual gifts are given to each one as he comes to Christ. Before, when we were pagans, we did it this way, but now we are gifted anew in a new way, and each one has a spiritual gift. Have you done a spiritual gifts inventory before or done a Bible study on it? Have you? Okay, so you're smart enough to take the mic. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, th- those are informative course the best information comes from Scripture itself and the revelation of the Holy Spirit in our own hearts. so let's see what they have to say Um, first of all we're going to compare this idea of talents versus gifts are they the same thing okay you studied your assignment so we, we certainly appreciate and and recognize the giftedness of those who have a particular talent Laura played the piano for us this morning And uh, that little boy was dancing, you know, so clearly uh, talents do exist. But talents are not the same as gifts. So let's look at what talents and gifts, let's look a little, um, this is from gotquestions.org. A talent is the result of genetics and or training, while a spiritual gift is the result of the power of the Holy Spirit. Is piano playing a result of the power of the Holy Spirit? How about trapeze is that, is, that, is, that, is that a talent can be possessed by anyone Christian or non Christian while spiritual gifts are only possessed by Christians and each one while both talents and spiritual gifts should be used for God's glory and to minister to others spiritual gifts are focused on these tasks while talents can be used entirely for non-spiritual purposes it is true that Laura could play the piano for us or she could play the piano in a nightclub correct But when she uses her talent in accordance with her spiritual gifts, here at this place, it's used for a specifically spiritual purpose. All right, we agree on that, right? So when I read 1 Corinthians 1, 4, I was was really taken by this, and I'm calling, these are my words, the trinity of the gifts. Listen again. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but the same God works all of them in all men. So what I see here is we've got gifts of the Spirit, service of the Lord, workings of God. It's only that I'm noticing that there are, you know, we we can see the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit involved even in this passage. People will tell you the, the notion of Trinity or the word Trinity does not appear in the Bible. But here's an example of how it's made manifest even in our readings here it's something that I missed long for a long time so what I've done on your worksheet and for myself is I have looked at the four references to spiritual gifts and I've divided them according to gifts that are about the name of the gift so here in 1 Corinthians 12 7, 11 we see Paul using a name <coughs> of the gift he's focusing on what is the gift what's in the box message of wisdom it's a noun Message of knowledge, another noun. A gift of healing, noun. Faith, noun. Prophecy, distinguishing between spirits. This is the object. Okay, we're gonna go to a little grammar here. Uh, This is the preposition to, and this is the object of the preposition, distinguishing between spirits, which is a noun. Speaking in different kinds of tongues can be taken either way an interpretation of tongues, a noun. So what we're seeing here is these gifts are given by name. So when you see spiritual gifts listed and you're confused that this one's in it and this one's in it, maybe it's just because sometimes they're listed by the title of the person who's gifted with it. Mm -hmm. So if my gift was teaching, I might be a what? Teacher. Teacher. So sometimes we see it this way. If my gift was prophecy, I might be a prophet. And these two are an example of that. We have Paul telling us apostles prophets and teachers he tells us again in Ephesians apostles prophets evangelists pastors and teachers you see now we're seeing the title of the of the person gifted there isn't always a title if my job if my gift is administration um, I could be an administrator or I could just be a mother you know I could be a bookkeeper I could be a president of a company so sometimes they're not easily correlated and sometimes they are and these are the gifts that are given by function and these, and when we read our first um, piece out of First Corinthians twelve four, we saw for the workings. Okay, the workings, and these are verbs. These are what comes out of them. Again, these are listed in the various uh, references I'm showing you. But in First Corinthians twenty nine, after he wrote earlier First uh, Corinthians twelve twenty nine, now he talks about what they do. They work miracles. They speak in tongues. They interpret tongues. You see. Here in Romans 12, 6, prophesying, serving, teaching, encouraging, contributing. The ING is a giveaway. It's the working, right? Peter 4, 8, and 11, offer hospitality, administer gracefully. That's an adverb, so you know that's got to be a verb. Speaking and serving. I like grammar. It just becomes a little bit clearer to me that why that was all fuzzy before. I didn't know what's what. It's not, I don't think, essential that we be able to make a very tight, co- cohesive list It is essential that we recognize we are all gifted with the Holy Spirit when we come to Christ and that that gift is expected to do something, in the words of the song we just saw. And this is the to-do-something list. Okay, Now you see that you have a colored piece of paper. That is going to be your to-do-something challenge. You should only have one. If you have two, give one away or put one down. That's going to be our to-do-something list a little bit later. (laughs) So what I'm saying is after we've just come from this beautiful presentation of people that are doing something By virtue of their giftedness of the Holy Spirit, whether they are singing or reading or teaching or uh, Showing hospitality or comfort or care They're doing it with the gifts of the Spirit for the purpose of the Spirit This is what I'm going to have you concentrate on today because I'm an action girl <laughs> Ultimately in 1st Corinthians 12 through 28 we see that it's all for the common good of the, what is this picture? Church, Church. what are you? Raise your hand if you're the church. Oh, you're the, church. now point your finger at somebody else. You're the church. You're church. (laughs) You're the church. So the church isn't the building and it isn't our pastors and it isn't the people who spoke and it isn't me, it's us. And if it's for the common good, that spiritual gift is going to blossom and grow because that is the intention of the Holy Spirit coming to reside in us. That same spirit that, that created the world, that brought us Jesus, puts the Holy Spirit in us to get something done, to be hands and feet in our short stay on earth. That one list that we saw that says, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, working of miracles, um, tongues, and so forth. This is a sequential list. And I think that what you're seeing here is that the church and our, our um advisors in, in the books, in the, uh, in the Bible study, and um, by the way, our author has two good uh, PDFs online at Abington Press about tongues and women in the church, and I suggest you read those. They're very helpful. But here we see that first the church had to be established with apostles. Now our friend just told us is that he started dozens of churches, so you had to go because that's what the word apostle means, to be sent. Disciple means to learn. Apostle to be sent to somebody has to go there first and then they have to talk about the, the reality of Jesus Christ and then maybe do some discipling so these are in order of not necessarily a Higher or lesser value, but sequentially you need to put them in place first right now We're in the middle of a process of uh, raising up another arm of this church building uh, across town and there's a gathering a core community that says what do we have to do first here then what will we do second <coughs> What are the things that have to be in line in order for that to be a thriving church for the common good? And they're about the work of that. Okay, now we're gonna talk about the sign gifts. That's what these are called, tongues, miracles, visions, healing, and prophecy. Um, I'm not gonna come down hard on on you if you have an experience with any of these. I can personally say there was a time when I felt like I distinctly heard from God myself, in his voice in a voice but these gifts are called the sign gifts in relation to some of the other ones I spoke about administration hospitality um, that teaching and that sort of thing in, in that they they are supernatural they are not necessarily normative to the way of the earth so when we see uh, a miracle healing or at, at this age in this time or um, other kinds of miracles or speaking in tongues. This is not something that's happened commonly in your household as you're coming and going in the, in the way that the other gifts might be. So the questions around these sign gifts are, are they ceased or are they continuing? Continuous versus discontinuous. <laughs> those, that, um, those scholars that under, uh, come down on the ceased side say that since we have the full canon of scripture now, We have all of the evidence we need to know Jesus as Lord and Savior and the workings of the Spirit. They're at our disposal. We have them. We have them in our heart language. We have them in our our educational process. And so we don't need these miracles, signs, so forth, to make that happen. Clearly, we've seen these happen in the early church and with Christ himself and even before. Clearly, they were very important to uh, activating people to say, this is something supernatural that we're looking at. This is someone who is sent from someone who has higher powers than the average Joe. Um, Other questions, are they a singular gift or are they given at a separate baptism? Some um, denominations or traditions hold for a baptism of the spirit at which time you are gifted. Um, I don't see enough evidence of that in scripture, although there is reason to debate it. This is one of these question marks that believers can live with the uncertainty. This is not a divisive Jesus is Lord or Jesus is not Lord kind of decision. This is like, so how exactly is he Lord? Because we got that he's Lord. We got that he's Savior. We got that he's divine. I'm not sure how to apply it. I can live in what we might call a sacred mystery. Are they normal for most people? The scholars use the word normative. I just said that. Are they normative for most people in the church? That's a question. Historically, how have they been used for building of the kingdom? So looking back, we see a couple um, major themes or times when the spiritual gifts were highly activated, the specific times in which these gifts are seen. They're listed on your paper. There's three major movements. You know, in in the establishment of of uh, the world and God's creation and the establishment of the law, the establishment of the law, especially, we know that Moses um, was given miracle signs, and we know why he was given miracle signs. Uh, Charleston Heston taught us. <laughs> So that we would let my, what? Let my people go, okay? So we're going to build the kingdom for a specific sign. And his second command, Aaron also was able to do miraculous things, had visions, had times when God had spoken to him, was able to give prophecy. What happens when you follow God? What happens when you don't? That's prophetic, okay? So we know that in this institution of the law in the hearts of men, it was critical, those miracle signs were critical, Also, in the prophecy time, the establishment of the prophets Elijah and Elisha, both of those men were able to multiply ingredients um, for the sustenance of a certain woman who who needed oil or bread. Both of them were able to raise someone from the dead. And this was to say, there are prophets who speak of God and they are gifted in a way you can't deny it. Because it's not normative that everybody can multiply oil or raise the dead. Something's going on there and also of course with Jesus and the apostles they were you know during the time of of our readings We have people that are being raised from the dead by Jesus and others. We have miracle healings. We have um, The obviously the the pattern for Jesus is miraculous So the questions that remain what purpose do they serve for the message? Does this point back to Jesus or does it point to myself? Does it point to the eternal promise, the existence of the Holy Spirit, the divine control of, of our lives by a God who loves us and is willing to sacrifice everything? Or does it point to something else, healing itself, miracles itself? And what purpose would they serve for the messengers? So for Aaron and Moses and for Elijah and for Jesus' disciples or and Jesus himself, they said, The Son of God is active at work God himself is active at work in in our lifetime in human form for purposes to validate the messenger so that their message could be heard and understand we have a valid messenger that's how I see the sign gifts there's a lot written on it and your experiences may vary again this is not a divisive issue this is an enhancing issue what really matters is that I, I plead first Corinthians 13 12b that I, I plead I plead I don't know <laughs> And uh, it's written here, For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. For now I know in part, then I will fully know. So I'll see you in heaven. We'll talk about it. (laughs) Right. We'll see which one of us was closer to the pin. All right. Now here's really something that's very critical. I am dressed for Valentine's Day, though it's Easter, right? Because the greatest of these is, say it, Love. love. Okay. When I was in college, I had a friend who had a soft Bible that had as the cover the greatest of these is love I wasn't a Christian I wasn't a Christ follower I was curious and the title of that Bible I don't know why that was the front of the Bible turns out it was an NIV edition I know because she gave it to me um, was was so intriguing to me I wanted to know what does that mean because everything I felt about the Bible felt like that woman in the picture don't do now I just, those were my immature thoughts. And I had this Bible that spoke this very gift on the, on the front. The greatest of these is love. What's so interesting about this is this directly follows the list of gifts. In every case, there is a high call before or right after about love. So... We can't deny it. Love must be sincere and be devoted and brotherly love, it says in Romans. Speak the truth in love. Above all, love each other deeply, it says in Peter. And of course, again, 1 Corinthians 13, the greatest of these is love. The list that Paul gives us, he says one is not more important than the other. But then he says, I will show you the most excellent way. So I'm not sure how to reconcile those two. Except to think That perhaps the gifts of faith, which even brought us to the room, the gift of hope, which gives us a reason to hang on, and the gift of love are all ours. Because these are the most excellent way. And he calls them gifts. Now, some people call them uh, special graces, spiritual graces. I don't know what to call them. I'm calling them faith, hope, and love. Faith says, I trust a person or a process. I have I have a trust that this person is going to do what he says he's going to do or that this system is going to work for me. I could have faith in the justice system. I could have faith in my husband. I could have faith in the leadership of the church. Hope says I have confidence in the outcome. Oh, this is going to happen because maybe I have faith or that person or that process is going to work and therefore there's a thing. We have faith in Christ. We have hope in eternity. Okay? But love covers a multitude and though Paul doesn't talk about these two words other than to say I'll show you the, the greater gifts faith, no, no big expounding on that, hope, no big expounding on that, love he gives us a definition he gives us a definition in do's and don'ts, I turn them all to do's because I'm so positive <laughs> so he says to us love is patient, read it with me why don't you love, love, is, patient. Is, love is patient, love is kind, it does, does not envy it does not boast, it is is not proud, it does not not dishonor others, it is not not self-seeking, it is not not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, love never fails. Now our author, and I've done this before as well, says to us, change out the word love, the person love and his name is Jesus we could say all of this because these are his absolute attributes Jesus is patient kind he doesn't envy or boast he isn't proud doesn't dishonor he is not self-seeking he is not easily angered he keeps no records of wrongs as far as the East is from the West these are his this is him which is why I say we have the greatest of these already and the Holy Spirit is in us to say use that one use that one first Put it on like glasses. See my spiritual gifts through the lens of love. And then, for the common good, much more happens. Much more happens. It's a multiplied gift. So that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about how love multiplies our gifts. And we're going to do this uh, with a game. Are you ready? Yes, you said you're ready. Okay. So first of all, I have the magic sorting hat. And I need somebody with a purple paper to come up for me. Somebody who's purple, come right up here. Are you laughing at me, Chris? I like You like my hat? You like the You're going to like it more in a minute. That was not a spiritual gift. It was electricity. All right. You get to pick one of these. You get to pick a book, a box, or a bag. There she goes. Open that. Open up that box and see what your spiritual gifts are. Okay. I've made oh. it a challenge. And all of you who are also purple, pay attention. This is a letter from the Holy Spirit himself. He used my handwriting. Multiply by a seven. Oh, I gave you the wrong box. Oh. This is Cheryl thinking of how I'm going to do this this morning. All right, now we're going to do this again. That is so sad. Malt- 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 right? Yeah. All right. There's a purple. I need a green person. Green. Okay. Oh, it's Damn. one, it's all one. Okay, green person. <laughs> uh, mine, it says, here are your gifts. Use them uh, wisely. Administration, contributing. Okay, so you are the people from Ephesus. You have purple papers. Write down right here. My gifts are, what are they? Administration mm-hmm. and contributing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right, put those down. All right, our green people, what did you say? Uh, Here are your gifts, use them wisely. Teaching, encouraging. Write it down if you have a green paper. Teaching and encouraging. Salmon people. Wisdom and hospitality. Wisdom and hospitality. All right, you've been sorted. Now your challenge is in the next two minutes, to make a list of workings using the spiritual gift that wasn't yours, you didn't earn it, was gifted to you. Oh. Okay, You're gifted with these specific things. In your personhood, at your age, with your past experience, with your particular talents, with your eye for art, or <coughs> your love of children, or whatever you were already gifted with before the Holy Spirit, Add the Holy Spirit, and see what kind of workings you can make come out. Now, here's the caveat. If your spiritual gift edifies your faith, 10 points. If your spiritual gift edifies your family and your close kin, 100 points. If your spiritual gift builds the church, how many points? (laughs) 1,000. So, on your mark. Any questions? I'll take questions. Yeah. (laughs) Don't get it. We're just listing. List things you're going to do. These are the ing verbs or the whatever. This is where I want to see my spiritual gift is going to have an outworking in me by virtue of what I'm going to do. And these don't have to be necessarily true, although I do suggest you sign some blood. (laughs) No. No. (laughs) What you could do with that combination of spiritual gifts that you've been given. And the opportunity that you have, because you are who you are, God made you to where, made you to be where you are at the age you are, with the talents and experience you have on your market (laughs) schedule. You can talk to your neighbor if you want to you have the same color. <laughs> I encourage cheating. It's called collaboration. <laughs> <laughs> <I love> it. <laughs> to remember that. Yeah. <laughs> cheating and <Yeah>, collaboration, Collaboration. <laughs> <laughs> collaboration. Yeah. Let's purple is Again. It. administration <laughs> and contributing. Thank you, purple. <laughs> <laughs> 30 seconds. <laughs> and I'm available for dinner. pens to a stop give yourself 10 points in the column on the side if that gift edifies your personal faith give yourself 100 points if that gift is likelier to edify your friends and family and give yourself 1,000 points if it is for the whole church or for the what building the, up, the up, up. Categories. you pick the biggest one. <laughs> you know. you always <laughs> buy the biggest candy bar. You know. Now do your addition. This is like a this is like a shower game. Don't we all hate those shower game. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, somebody shout out what you, what your final score is. Oh, you can do this. This is a time to brag. You're a quick thinker, quick writer. Tell me yours, Green. Uh, I didn't add mine up I'm going to say probably five thousand million. That's right. Mm-hmm. Five thousand million. Uh, <laughs> I think it's lying a spiritual gift because you just, have just, it. Yeah, I stole that. I stole that. All right. Yeah. I did twenty-five hundred. Twenty-five hundred. Twenty-five hundred. Who gave me 30, thirty? 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 Anybody got more than twenty-five yeah. hundred? Yes. Thirty-four hundred. What was your category? Um, teaching and Encouraging. Teaching and Encouraging, It's she's a kind of your category too. What was your category? was Wisdom and Hospitality. Wisdom and Hospitality, 2,500, okay. What What about somebody, yes? I did 4,400. Oh, yes. Oh, you Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what was your category? It was Teaching and Encouraging. Teaching and Encouraging also. Did I hear from every group? Who's got the purple? We <laughs> got a purple? <laughs> High score in <and> purple? <laughs> You're holding back aren't you okay that's between you and God <laughs> all right here's the deal now we're not quite done so the same people that passed out the spiritual gifts are gonna choose an A and you're gonna find out what happens if you have love or have not love yeah. yeah okay all right what does your say purple you have love you have love what what are the instructions on the back multiply Time seven. Times seven. Why? Seven is the perfect number. Love always succeeds, right? It never fails. Perfect number seven. Multiply your you know, do your math now. And uh, find out that your gift is now multiplied to perfection because it's done in what? Love. love. All right. Open what did yours say? Not love. Not love. Oh, I'm sorry, oh, Sam, yeah. people I don't oh. care if you had forty four hundred or five hundred million. <laughs> oh, I'm, sorry. Sorry. I'm gonna I just have to tell you, because I didn't make this up, thank goodness. Let me let me tell you what it says here. Um, Um, Uh, And now I will show you the most excellent way If I speak in the tongues of men and angels And have not love I'm only a resounding vong or a clanging symbol If I have the gift of prophecy And can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge And if I have faith and can move mountains But have not love, I am what? Nothing Multiply yours times zero (laughs) What's yours say? It says you have love. Ooh, green, you got love. Yep. And that means multiply by seven. <laughs> there will be no prizes awarded at the end of this. <laughs> Except the sense that you and I always need to know what is our motivation for even using the gifts that God has given us. What is it for? And what does it do? And how does it get bigger? And who gave it to me in the first place? And who does the glory belong to? And when we have love, which is the person of Jesus, we know who the glory belongs to, because he's the Mm -hmm. Mm big. So for all of those of you who multiplied by seven, well done, good and faithful servant. Go and do something. Either the two things that you heard about today, or something that the Lord is stirring in you, or call me up because my job at this church is director of local serving, and I'll get you to doing anything you want. Let's pray. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are our adequacy, you are our multiplication, you are our reason for being. Lord, bless us today to see what you see through the eyes that you see it for the purposes that you would want to use us. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hey, I think, okay, now it's recording again.